Hey everybody, Jay Shlansky here from the Fifth Trooper Network. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out this show. Did you know that over at thefifthtrooper.com we have tons of other content, including blogs, other podcasts, all kinds of stuff. In addition, if you want access to exclusive content, you can join us on patreon.com slash thefifthtrooper and join at any level and you'll get access to uh, exclusive blog articles, access to our private Discord, and much more. So please, Check us out, and thank you so much for all your support. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm here with jay and mike what's up gentlemen hey 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 <laughs> we're, we're here to talk some legion yeah uh yeah oh yeah, yeah. let's do yeah. it yeah uh i'm excited it is we are finally getting um what i believe is officially called leafing season around here leafing season yeah i think you mean that? fall i think you mean fall no, right. I do mean fall, but there's an activity that people call leafing where they drive around and look at trees that are like turning colors. Oh, yeah, we do that up here a lot. So we have the the Adirondacks uh, and that's a big deal. Like everybody drives up there to, to see them in the mountains. I'm going to look this up because I can I'm looking it up right now. And, and apparently it's not leafing. It is leaf peeping. Leaf peeping? That's what it's well, I don't like that as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Wikipedia says. Leaf peeping is an informal term in the United States and Canada for the activity in which people travel to view and photograph the fall foliage in areas where leaves change colors in autumn. Leaf peeping. Leaf peeping. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with leafing because leaf peeping <laughs> sounds like the thing that Marty's dad was doing in Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> first, when you first said it, what I thought you meant was like that thing where you drive in your car and there's a big pile of leaves like that are encroaching into the road, and then you kind of like get near it so that it all blows up. That's what I thought you meant. Leafing. Which you're not really supposed to do because kids hide in those, so you gotta be careful. Yeah, you should absolutely not do that as somebody that has kids that hide in leaf piles. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. You don't drive through them. You drive near them to blow the leaves, but it's still bad either way. You shouldn't really drive near them either. Yeah, actually. Well, all right, Kyle. I mean, just I'm just saying, look, look, I got a, I got kids. There's a lot of kids on my street. Sometimes people drive really fast down the street. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wait, people drive fast on your street? Yeah, I know I live on a cul-de-sac. It's long enough that like sometimes it's usually like you know not people that live on the street but like delivery drivers and stuff like that but i just um, like uh, yeah okay all right yeah we actually yeah anyway they just like go to the end of the cul-de-sac and get ramped into the moon like where where are they going yeah that's what i'm having a hard time like i've been to his house like it's it's not some place that i think you would drive over like 15 miles an hour (laughs) not typically but he's just trying to sell this whole leafing thing like just let him do it Anyway, trees are changing color. It's pretty. Let's talk about Legion. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. I have some housekeeping. Okay. I have housekeeping. housekeeping. Okay, my bad. That's okay. Uh, first thing I'd like to say is actually about this podcast and Legion. Our boy Mike here is going to be joining us weekly from hey, now hey. on. So uh, very excited to have Mike back. Um, 
we're still going to do some of the rotation with the with the Tims uh, and bring them in. Uh, but Michael be our our steady third from now on. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, you won't see less of the Tims, just more right. of the mic. Just more of the, the mic. mic. Yeah, yep. yeah. Back, it's just uh, I think it was a, I think it's a great a great thing. And and uh, you know, for you guys listening, I I think it's just good to have a third voice. You know, there's something about threes in like this type of media, like talking uh, and like hot taking and stuff like having, having three distinct like thoughts on something. Um, it just, it just feels better. Cause then it's rule, not rule so like, three. yeah, it's not so binary and like black and white, you know? So, so yeah. So very happy to have Mike back. So Mike, everybody. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Scoundrels are back. Um, and uh, second for housekeeping, if you haven't had a chance, uh, we started a really amazing, if I don't say so myself, uh, RPG podcast called Iron and Tentacles. It's like a Cthulhu pulp World War II uh, RPG podcast. We uh, this week, technically it's our it's episode three, but it's uh, the second in the like actual campaign with the first one was more like intro to the game mechanics and stuff like that um it's really heating up i'm very excited with where it's going we've got a pretty stellar cast um that, that it's just it's been a ton of fun uh doing it with everybody and and you know we've got ben uh and tim from the stab cast keegan from legion 99's on there uh evan from the fifth trooper and then uh AJ AJST's wife Louisa is actually on it and uh so it's it's just it's a great cast a good bunch of people and we've we've been having a ton of fun so I really check it out it's on all the podcast things iron and tentacles so give it a listen and and yeah I, I'm just super excited it's it, I mean these guys know it's something I've been wanting to do since we started doing the fifth trooper was the RPG podcast and this one's actually it's working um, and I'm getting them to like come to the sessions and, and we're getting recordings in. And uh, so I, I'm just I'm just really jacked about it. Uh, so so please go check it out. Uh, I'm I'm DMing the whole thing, which is fun. And um, I actually like that better than playing. I really like being the GM. I am. I'm similarly with you when I when I play d and uh, it's it's tough to to not be the DM these days. Yeah. Um, I think it's where my because because as a player like I'm too creative where I try to like come up with insane stuff as a player and like I always have to hear no you know <laughs> you mm -hmm. know even though like you know and this sort of stuff it's supposed to be like a yes and thing but mm -hmm. it's like it's it's a lot of no because just my creativity like I just like am like and then what I want to do is flick it with my sword in such a way that the, you know what I mean and it, the, like the GM's like dude please you're killing me just roll the dice, Jay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but as the GM, right, I get to come up with all the creative stuff. So that's that's it yeah. kind of like it kind of like sates that thirst a little bit. So so yeah. So anyways, very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, I used to feel that way. And now it's mostly just like a time thing. I'm sure there will be a, a point in my life again where I'm like, hey, I want to DM some D&D &D or something. Yeah. Um, and it was great. You know, it was super fun uh, before I had kids just to come up with all the stuff and yeah but um now well, Ra wanna, rachel's like... totally on to the fact that i'm having fun 
you know, Ooh. like I, I was selling it as a work oh, thing, no. you know, like, no, 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 I got, I got to record this podcast for five hours. Like, it's going to suck. <laughs> I like dancing <laughs> on my way out. <laughs> to the... <laughs> and then she's like, I know you're having fun. Well, she's like, she's, she's friends with Louisa. So she hears mm, about all the yeah. fun, you okay. know, so, like... yep. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, she's on to me. The game is up. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like a trade off. All right, you could go get your nails done while I'm doing this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I'm sorry. Let me clarify that for everybody listening. That's not like that's what she likes to do. I'm not. T- you know, you're, you're not like sentencing her to some. No, no, no. Yeah. That's what she wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, I gotcha. Yeah. All right, uh, Legion. Legion. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we got a couple topics today, um, and these kind of stem uh, from our own personal experiences recently. Um, Mike, of course, went to Crucible, which uh, you won. I did. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, I would like for you to sell me on Yoda, but not right now, because (laughs) uh, we have two more things first. Um, The first is just... uh, I think it'd be good to have a discussion about tiebreaks and how the new tiebreak system has been interacting with the old battle cards because draws mm. have become, I mean, draws are like a real thing that are possible. And for whatever reason, you know, we've had this rule for what, eight, seven, eight months now. And just recently, I feel like it's kind of coming to light how much many challenges there are with like the current objectives we have and how the new draw rule works. Um, so I think it'd be nice to have some conversations about that. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about Wookiees because Wookiees. Um, Wookiees. Wookiees. But first, the draw rule. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts on... I'm sure we had a discussion on this months ago, but after playing with it for whatever this is now, eight months, what are your thoughts on how tiebreaks work now? legion so i i think that there are there are a couple fundamental points that are separate but maybe equally important the first is i think draws are okay to have within a rule set um i think when you have a draw it should be I, I don't know. I, I think I think that's that is an okay thing to have. Like other games have draws. I think it should be okay to draw. I think the way that Legion is presently set up is that the the, the draw is actually affecting a lot of game state stuff, um, or game state stuff is affecting the outcome, the possible outcome of a draw. Um, and there are several, like for instance, in a setting where you're playing effectively a single elimination like top eight and what happens when someone draws that actually isn't spelled out in the rules right now um mm-hmm. at all like it, it, there's just it, it crucible it happened twice we roll we rolled a die the first time it didn't matter <laughs> because both people that drew ended up making the cut um but they, then they got repaired and they played effectively the same game and they drew again and that was a single elimination and the only way i mean they they were aware that if they drew again that a die would be rolled um to determine the outcome of the game it was effectively like flipping a coin um 
but that is not not in the tournament regulations at all. Um, that was the solution that uh, Jordan came up with on the fly, and I think uh, right he it was you know a good decision in the moment. Like, um, but like I think the fact that um, so I I think a there's that problem. B I think the draw issue also. Um, has some implications based on like how the battle deck operates presently um, in that there are several objectives that you just don't want to put in your battle deck um, until you like hit 800 and then you're in a draw situation um, these objectives are often like sabotage the moisture evaporators uh, hostage exchange um, there's a bunch there's a few others, but those are the like I think the two big ones that probably often go to ties the most. Um, I would say there are some that unexpectedly go to ties a lot. Uh, for sure, break breakthrough. Yeah. Um, when you have the same number of activations, um, recover if no if particularly on like an open table where the middle box is difficult to access. Um, yeah, I mean legion legion objectives were designed to be close. Yeah, is the bottom yeah. line, and I think. So, one of the things that has changed with the introduction of the draw system, or I'm, I'm going to call it a draw system, lack of a better term, is that in all of these scenarios previously, um, an attacker and defender was essentially defined at the start of the game. We no longer have that kind of dichotomy if the lists are like tied and even. So it creates this really weird game state where neither player really wants to engage but is like sort of kind of trying to kill something but but is only kind of like half-heartedly doing it because if they lose a unit in the pro it's like both players are red on vaps it's it's like a really weird no it's like, like both players are blue on oh, vaps. blue on vaps sorry yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. yeah um yeah. and and like they're like trying to play casually but but neither of them really wants to interact with the other. And that was what happened in both of these top eight games at Crucible was that like, they were both playing like really defensive gun line lists. Um, and it was, you know, they were basically putting sniper shots into each other all game. And when one person like st st stepped up to like take that lethal attack, the other person stepped back, right? Um, and I think I think the new draw system sets up this very awkward situation for a lot of the battle cards that presently exist in the game. Um, and to your point, Kyle, I think it also can happen unexpectedly um, in that regard as well. That's my; those are my topical thoughts without getting like into the like hows and the whys of, and potentially how to fix it. So let me let me ask you a question around that. So. There, because there's no rule, but let's let's say that more TOs take on the rule of the the die roll, right? Do so, you do you see the potential of players being more aggressive to take the agency away from the the random roll, or do you see it still being a a very passive kind of game like that? So, uh, first of all, just a quick question because this mm -hmm. also happened at LSO in the final mm -hmm. um, where there was a possibility of a draw because both players were 800 yep. and they ended up on hostage which is one of those objectives that often yep. draws um, and I think they looked basically they were like so what happens you know both players this this was um, 
<laughs> two Florida players actually. Sure. Um, Jeez, the was, Florida man. Yeah, it was Austin, all the problems. <laughs> Austin and uh, Smiley Smile. Um, and uh, basically, they're like, we want to know how this is. You know, who's who's going to win this game if we draw? Um, and they looked it up, and at, at least you know, I don't know if it was in the tournament rags or somewhere else, but they basically discovered that it was um, SOS. It would go to the tournament, you know, because their record would be each whatever, you know, two and oh and one, and then it would go to the tournament SOS um, because they would each have the same record. Um, so they determined before the game right. who had the higher SOS, and I think in, in that case it was, um, his name is, actual name is Michael, but Smiley Smile is what he is in Game Up Link. So um, I have uh, two things to say about that. Okay. The first is, if that rule exists and I missed it, sorry. However, um, we looked into this during the tournament. If that rule does exist, and these guys actually had identical SOSs. Okay, so also not a solution in that situation. Well, it was not a solution in, um, the, in the situation we were in. I, I It's think, also a crappy way to determine that, if it is like... I mean, that's I, a whole other separate conversation. That's a whole other separate thing. I yeah. think it at least I mean, is the terms of the engagement yeah. at a bare minimum. Which, well, which that, is which is i think that's really all it's important for players to have roles going into the game yeah, yeah. um and to know going into the game who's going to win if there was a tie because I, the the good part about that game is that was a situation where there could have been uncertainty about what happens if they draw and they resolved it as the game started and it ended up playing out like a much more traditional like you know austin knew that um if they drew that he would lose so he was really aggressive uh, and it ended up playing out more like a traditional game with like a clear tiebreak structure because they knew in advance who would actually right. win if they drew. Um, so I think there's a couple things. The first is, um, as you mentioned, Mike, I think, and one of the things, I don't, and I apologize if this is an X-Wing comment that I'm porting over to Legion because I know this sort of was a discussion also in X-Wing with the changes. I seem to recall a comment basically where the motivation for making draws possible is that if a draw was essentially a loss for both players, then both players would go into aggressive mode. And that was like a desirable thing. First of all, I think it's, we could have a completely third separate discussion about whether that sort of state is actually desirable <laughs> or fun. Um, but I also think it's a fallacy because what you described, Mike, is also what I've seen where it's almost like two boxers in a ring that are both kind of afraid to like get into punching distance. So they just kind of dance around each other the whole time. Um, and like, that's, that's what I've observed in games where there's a draw possibility. Um, I had a game actually at the game castle store tournament where we ended up on VAPS and we were both at 800 and my opponent basically just like ran away to a corner and I chased him all the way across the table, literally all the way across the table. <laughs> um, and he was playing that shadow collective list with all the dodges. Yeah, you can't kill so it was really hard to kill anything. I managed to kill something with a very well-supported, lucky Z6 shot on turn six. Um, but it was entirely possible that we go through that entire game. And like, despite my best efforts, you know, I, like I went straight towards him. I was attacking constantly, like nothing dies. Um, and, I don't, you know, I don't know why he played that way in that situation. It's possible too. You know, this is a whole nother can of worms, but it's possible you get in a situation where like if a draw because of the tournament structure functionally results in a loss for both players, that that outcome is more acceptable to one player than it is to another. 
And therefore you get a situation where like one player can basically choose to not interact to like cause both players to lose. And that's a really crappy situation too. Um, so I think to that point as well, it also sets up the potential to like, um, you know, in, in a lot of the tournaments that were presently um, being run, there is a situation where uh, a lot of like, like LVO this year was you could drop a game, right? Yep. Um, however, if all of the X and O's at the end of the round, the like second to last round or in the last round, I think all draw. I think, I think there's a situation where that's like, that there's like weird situations where that sets it up so that like, they all just like, they're like, okay, we all make the cut. And then um, there are some X and ones that even though they would have expected to be able to go X and one and make it to the next day, they actually don't. They actually didn't have any opportunity because everybody just drew in the final game. Right. That obviously hasn't happened. Um, but like in the tournament regs, it's like if both players decide not to play the match for any reason, both players are awarded a draw. Right. So like, in theory, like I'm, I'm that's verbatim what it says. And, yeah. And like I'm reading it right here because I actually I went and looked at the tiebreaker thing and we can talk about that in a second. Um, like that that is verbatim out of the tourney regs. You can decide not to play your match with your opponent. Um, now the TO may have something to say about that. I think in in uh, I think most TOs would probably be like that's kind of like dishonest and not in the spirit of competition and X Y Z. Um, I think we all. That's like I think an ethical conversation that is maybe separate from the draw thing, but but is influenced by it at least. Um, yeah. Um, so the tiebreakers, the the strength of schedule tiebreaker that you were pointing out earlier, yep. is not actually to determine the outcome of the game. It it's is to determine to, the ranking after the game. To correct. Yeah. Um, so it is only really applicable in a Swiss style system where people are not immediately knocked out yes yeah right um i suppose you could technically use it gets it gets funky after a cut right like do you do you continue with sos after a cut like i guess you would probably have to outline that in the tournament regulation stuff yeah and i think the fact that lso was essentially um swiss with the top eight I think yeah. made it so that that was possible. Although I guess it could have got really awkward if like, um, no, because they were the last two players without a loss and anyone with a loss would have a lower tournament score. So I think the only reason it even worked in that situation is because there were only two players left. Sure, sure. Um, whereas, you know, if it was like the top four and you had a situation where a draw was possible, you know, like that starts to get super awkward because, you know, then if both games draw, then like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things get really, really nice. yeah, things start to get super weird. Yeah. The point is, you know, I you you reference some other systems where draws are a thing that are just like normal and possible. Is Magic one of those? Magic on... is one. Um, I think in in Magic, it's a, I don't know. Uh, Magic is a little bit in Magic. You have to have a draw system in place because it's best two out of three, and sometimes you hit time limits and like nobody can actually like sometimes you just like can't finish game three mm. um they're 50 minute rounds and you have to complete three games within the within the time period and if 
you know, it goes one and one and then you're like finishing the third game and it goes to time. There's like a similar situation with like 15 minutes to hard dice down, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but at the end of like hard dice down, if nobody has won the third game, it is a draw. Um, and at least that's how it was like 10 years, uh, 10 years ago. It might be different now. I haven't played competitive magic in a really long time, but I, I, I don't think it would change probably because it's, it was a pretty good system. Um, but I think maybe more to the point, like running a three-hour game and having it be a draw is also like not the greatest that's, feeling. That's in kind the of world. my point, right? Um, like, like I think all of the systems that in that where like draws are like acceptable outcomes, the game length is like somewhere in the half hour to an hour range. Yeah. Um, well, well, I think it's one or the other, right? It's the game length or the number of games that are played, right? Mm -hmm. Like the more games that are played, the more acceptable draws are because. The you, records you, get diluted more. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, so it's an interesting concept. I, I just, yeah, I, I just, um, it's interesting. I guess maybe it depends too, because I think it's the the more competitive, it the the tournament is, the more likely of that is to happen. Because oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because because I would say like in tournaments where you know they're kind of competitive but not super competitive i i haven't seen a single draw like in i you know but that's a small sample size right i'm not saying i'm not but and i would guess that most people out there in listening to us right now are like what is i've never even seen a draw like you know what i mean and so so i i just wanted to contextualize it a little bit that that the higher you go up the chain and the more and this is a good conversation about um, and something I learned along the way over the last like couple months is like, oh no, I just want 800 points. Like, what am I even doing? Like red is usually better now. Like yeah. everything about, and that's what red, they want. Red is really good right now. Right. Yeah. And is that's, it, is it, is it, I mean, well, should blue, is it, is it too hot takey to say that blue should just get tiebreak back? So I think blue should get tiebreak back, but yeah. not for these reasons. I think, um, blue should get tiebreak back because, um, it's actually like really awkward to put like sabotage the moisture evaporators and and hostage exchange in your deck if you're not 800. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's like it's actually actively bad most of the time, um, and I think I think that that's a that is I think the case whether draws or the are possible or not really you know. Um, but but I think that, that yeah that's like a blue not winning ties on victory points just makes the objectives not work the way they were intended to. I think. And, I, and I don't know about you guys, but what I've seen is I think we're still in a transition period where people are realizing that it's changed. Um, and it took me a while to realize that it's changed, right? Like I had to play a number of tournaments and go, Oh, what am I doing? Like, I don't need a bid. I, I've run into a lot of people at competitive tournaments, even in like pretty deep into the tournament that like, they're like, Oh, blue doesn't win ties. What do you mean? And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, like, yeah. like, um, and I mean, it's one of those things that like, it's kind of, if you don't like l read into the tournament regs and you don't like listen to people talking about it or whatever, like that's something you yeah. could easily miss in the new rules. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, um, so, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that it'll come around with time, but I, 
I actually kind of hope that it doesn't because I suspect this is one of the things that probably needs to change sooner rather than later Any, anyways. Um, and I actually wanted to chat about like the whole somebody, I, I don't know if it was Kyle or Jay, you guys had, had mentioned the dice thing and whether or not that was like a good solution, I think, or like how the players responded to it or whatever. What? Um, oh, oh, yeah. Rolling a dice. To so see rolling the, the die. Yeah. So, I, so I actually think that I've thought about this a lot um, because I've been trying to figure out like if if draws remain the same, like what is the best way to do this? Mm. And I actually think like the dice thing is roll not... It at the start. What's that? Just roll it at the start. I think you have to roll it at the start. And yep. um, because if you don't roll it at the start, um, honestly, a 50-50 chance to win the game is probably an acceptable outcome to either player if they were going to end up in a game that was like a draw situation anyways. Like mm. if you can play a game in such a way that your likelihood at the end of the game state is to on a coin flip win, as opposed to putting one of your units in danger and the likelihood of it getting deleted is high. Like if you lose that unit, you've lost the game like to, to like an 85% chance in, in, in these mirror matchups that are like weird. Um, it's 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 way more acceptable to just be like oh i'm gonna play for the coin flip <laughs> um, yeah and that's that's to say nothing too of potential like skill gaps right like if one player perceives right. that you know whoever they're playing against is significantly better than them like a 50 50 shot might sound pretty good yeah even if, yeah. Even if you set aside <laughs> sort of the tactical you know dangers that you're talking about and totally. reducing that shot to less than 50 through gameplay decisions yeah, um, the li like the likelihood. Of, yeah, when you said that, like, and, and I don't mean this in a way where I'm good at the game. I'm fine at the game, but I've noticed like a lot of people just because we are on here, like when they face me, they're like, oh, oh I'm facing Jay from the from the fifth trooper and scoundrels. And it's like, did you get me fine? I'm not that good at this game. And so like, you know, and then but so I could definitely see them being like, well, I'm just I'm, just I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take the coin flips, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I definitely think th there are situations where I think like if you get a bad matchup or something and you're in a draw scenario and both players are playing really cagey and you get to like turn four or turn five, and you're like, I think I can get out of this with a draw instead of like yeah, putting myself in like a 20% to win scenario. Um, you take the draw and yeah. then flip a coin, right? Um so yeah, I think I, I, Kyle, I think rolling the die before if we're gonna roll a die. Yeah, if I you're think, gonna roll a die, which I am not advocating for. Um, right. I, I think I think it should happen before the game, um, for sure, and it yep. and it at least puts us in a situation where everybody knows what needs to happen with the game. We all know at this point, if you're playing competitive Legion, what a blue player, red player, sabotage the moisture operators game should look like in theory. And if you don't, you can refer to one of our earlier episodes. I'm sure there are like 30 on the topic, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it seems like in practice, the possibility of an actual draw has if anything, increased um, passive play rather than reducing it. That's yeah. at least been what I've observed. I also think that um, defensive lists have also gotten a lot better, um, which I think has contributed to that in some way, shape, or form. Um, like, you can actually, like, 
whether you're playing like a Pike spam list or like a Gar clone ball, like you can actually, if you're playing safely, navigate a game in such a way that you could be pretty sure you're not going to use a unit if you're not, not being aggressive. Um, yeah. And I think there's a lot of things contributing to that. Um, which is like, we could spend a whole nother podcast on, but mm-hmm. one of them I think is that, you know, look, I think it's good that the number of activations you need for an effective list has gone down for various reasons, but it also means that you can make lists that don't have like any fragile units in them. Oh yeah. I play it. That's um, all I play now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm leaning the same way. Right. Like, um, and, you know, it used to be that, like, there was a mortar or a strike team or a naked squad or something that, like, in a pinch you could, you know, try and pick off to adjust that score. And it's like, you know, when the most vulnerable thing that your opponent has is a phase one unit. With um, surging red saves. surging and red saves dodgeable. and possible dodges. <laughs> like, you're not going to be able to, quote unquote, pick that off, right? Yeah. And, that, you know, that was the problem I ran into in that, the hospital draw game with the shadow collective list it's like the only units i have access to are pikes and each of these pikes can have up to six dodges on demand <laughs> um and maybe you know dodge proliferation is a completely different topic i think it is probably separate and apart from this draw thing but yeah i, I think it's the, separate but it is contributing to the it, fact it exacerbates, that the situation exists yeah, right um yeah I th- and i think fundamentally you know the whole like blue red draw in the tournament structure conversations are linked because the the reason we have draws that are possible now is because you know they removed that from being like a binary within game concrete tiebreak um and i personally i think it's good in legion that objectives are designed to be close because close games are fun yeah um you know the least fun games and anybody that's watched like a stream game where one player just gets murdered uh like close games are fun close games are fun to watch lopsided games are not fun and they're not fun to watch um so i think it's to legion's credit that the the games are designed to be close i think that's a good thing and i would i would not you know the solution to like the whole draw thing you know this is like baseball right where it's like more home runs yay everybody likes home runs but more home runs means higher scores which means higher score discrepancies which means more moments in games that just don't matter um and you know back when baseball was singles and bunts and two to two <laughs> games like it's more exciting i'm sure it was um <laughs> so um you know so yeah i'm not saying that we need objectives with bigger score possibilities i think that would be totally counterproductive in the fun department um <clears throat> but yeah it's you know i mean the tie break essentially puts leech on a different foundation Right. It's like a game that was designed for PC and trying to port it over to a console and like none of the controls make sense. And it's like, I don't know if anyone's ever played like an RTS on a console. Um I I used to back in the day. It's it's different. <laughs> yeah. <that's> a, <laughs> yeah aim, aim assist was really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh RTS, not FPS. Oh, RTS. Yeah, oh, like the StarCraft yep. RTS. I, d- I have played that. Uh, it's really bad. Yeah, that's what I mean, right? It's it's yeah. like, you know, taking taking the objectives and removing the tiebreak system that they were constructed on is just kind of like, it's kind of like that, right? You're, you're taking something from its original foundation and moving it to a different one. Um, And yeah, it just, it doesn't work as well. 
Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, what has been removed from the game by the introduction of draws is that there is there is no longer a defined aggressor in a game state anymore, in, in every game state. Before, there was always somebody, mm. regardless of where you're at in the game, it was clear if both players knew what was going on, that one person had one one specific person was in a position where they had to make a play in order to progress the game state into like its next phase and right now it is there are situations where it is very unclear who who is in that seat because no one technically is so i guess what i would so my my thoughts as we're talking through this right is that I'm glad change is happening because I think it's getting us closer to like the, per- the, the desired outcome mm-hmm. because back then, like, I mean, there were some of those that felt really bad where you were like, I have to be the aggressor, like, and I'm going to get chewed up. And if I, I have to do something and if I don't do something, then I lose, you know? And, and there was definitely times back then, especially VAPs, blue player vap right yeah, where like as yeah as or kp yeah where like you had to do something and you you know and that's a different strategy but maybe you're not built for that maybe your 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 list isn't built for that but in any case i th- i i'm encouraged that we're getting closer to a, a a resolution that's that's more fair i think we're not there yet and this may be overcorrected in the other way right and and i think my guess is some of the problems trying to solve were the deep bids people were taking for a while right well this definitely solved that and so like you know you're not seeing that as much anymore you're not you know there's there's some positives out of it i just think so like let's adjustments could could get it back to like a, a really good place yeah i feel like bids were already going down slash relatively minimal before the yeah. change they were yes well, because yeah, the swap, the the red blue, uh, swap, right? The table really, side, the four card yeah, flip, yeah, that affected um, it. Both yeah. of those helped considerably. Yeah. So. yeah, and and I think you know, obviously, it's not as clearly defined now, but like when army points values are not equal, generally, like red player, and I'm going to put red player in quotations because often the person who has the higher number list ends up being red player. Um, wins ties in that in that situation, right? Yeah. Um, and that has also made it so that, like, because you win ties and because of the choice, you get to pick table side. You get to have the last bit uh, uh, veto in turn last zero, veto. and you and you um, and you win ties, and you get Those, the last deployment, and you get the last deployment if. The activations are equal. You get the second deployment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Red is really strong with all these changes. Like, like so strong that I would venture to say, and this might be getting super off topic, that it is like far more desirable than to be blue, (laughs) or or to like be sub eight hundred. Yeah. So, so I, I can speak to this. My experience in this lately has been i i picked a list that had a bid 
and uh i was playing i was playing yoda uh and and you know i i had a bit of a bit in it yeah i really like yoda i know we're gonna talk about that but anyways uh you know i i played a little bit of a bit because um in you know it was like a lot around tempests and stuff i was more worried about a tempest or like a heavy like vehicle list that i would want to be able to choose blue or red you know you, having that choice was going to help me uh dictate the game so so we could pick my deck versus their deck just so i was had a better chance but the more i played the more i was realizing oh this it doesn't even actually matter i need to just go red because <laughs> it's just it's just way better well and and i think because i could bail you're right with that choice you bail yourself out of any like card lineup situation you know it's just yeah well, and it's a combination of, okay, I not only do I get the ban and the thing but that are from red player, but I also am winning breakers, which, like, even if your opponent decides that they're red, if you're still using their battle deck, and or your, if, if you're using your battle deck and you're winning ties, they're pretty screwed because you've got all the things that go to ties on in, in your battle deck. <laughs> and, you brought, and you brought more stuff. And yeah, you brought right? more stuff, right? Right. So. I, I think that's something that gets lost in the bidding conversation. Is like, you know, uh, for, for people that hate bidding, it's look when you bid, you take less stuff, right, to the table, right? Like you, you've got le- you've got fewer upgrades. You've got, yeah, like you're spent. You're essentially you're not leaving those points. You're spending those points on pregame advantages, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your opponent is spending them on units. So the people that are like, well, why not just bid for red player? It's like, well, then you're spending points to, you know, like give your opponent the battle deck choice, which if you're spending points to do that, like battle deck is still important, especially for certain lists. Yep. But it's definitely become a situation where like, unless you have a really specific idea for like a an objective skew and usually now this involves speeders since payload and vaps are basically off the table as like objectives that you want to (laughs) play period regardless of what your list type is um if you've got a speeder skew like blizzard force is the perfect example right then you might still want to bid but anything else like why wouldn't you just go straight to 800 and if you get your deck fine if you don't also fine because red player all the other red player stuff is great so um i don't know every non frankly every non-blizzard force list that i make is 800 points i'm gonna be honest i think blizzard should go to 800 now i don't think it's i think with the changes to with the increase in cost to uh most of blizzard's units and the fact that it can't get to 10 activations i think it's much less good at like breakthrough and bomb and run um in in a way that breakthrough is specifically is bre- really breakthrough specifically is significantly yeah. less good and because of that it disincentivizes like it devalues the battle deck right before you were like i've got four good objectives and they're all really good but as soon as one of them isn't and someone can decide whether or not you're playing it that isn't you. Um, that turns into a situation where bidding's not so great anymore. Yep. Yeah, um, because red player has a lot more control over which of the four objectives you end up playing. 
Um, so if one of those four objectives is a weak objective for you, that's the one you're going to end up playing. And then yeah. why are you bidding? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you have to have an objective deck that is like a solid four. Yeah. Half the time, maybe you'll get lucky and it'll fall in the right slot. The red player can't ban to it, but are you, you want to flip a coin on that? Cause I don't. Right. Right. Yeah. Me either. And um, with, with blizzard, specifically and speeder lists in general a lot of it too used to be that you were like bidding for the deployments so that you could flank with speeders but now that like flanking isn't really a thing anymore and like you know the way to deny cover is to just charge the speeders directly at their target um until they're so close that they're touching whatever the you know other target is behind like you know getting battle lines or disarray is still helpful but it's not you know it's not worth spending the points to bid on like it used to be. Yeah. Um, because whether you're coming at them from a side angle or not, you're not going to get that flanking shot that you were getting before. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right about blizzard should also just not be bidding, but I, don't... I have, I have not made a non 800 point list. I think in three consecutive tournaments, at least if not longer at this point. Yeah. Um, so it's such a weird uh, mentality to get into, you know, because I don't, I don't mind it. No, I don't. I don't mind. Well, it but either. you've it's always just... made 800 point lists, Mike. Well, and I always and back to like our earlier, like I always felt like I was making concessions and like, I mean, you guys have seen it on the podcast where I'll make a list of like, and I have 12 points, like, and I'm so excited that like, I, oh, no, I could do all this stuff still, you know, um, and now it's just like, oh, I don't need to like be that excited about it anymore. I can just, you know, uh, just go all the way to 800. But I think this is another example of the intentions are good. But I think uh, like some other things in this transition from FFG to AMG, they they just pull a lot of switches and they're not like I, I think I would like to see in the future with this game when rules changes come or edits or, or, or just like when you know something's not working, it's OK to just pull one switch and just just see if that evens it out versus pulling five switches. You know, you know what I mean? Um, um like like my my okay like i guess i i'm i'm hearing what you're saying i'm like I'm like with force down. push right yeah. like it was like four different switches that we pulled on that like it was like one of those would have fixed that problem well that or, or force choke sorry i think i think i'm thinking of both probably so I, I don't have the problem with the number of switches and stuff being pulled i think what i've seen with some other games lately that i've really liked and that i think um I would like to see in like that vein um, is, is I don't care how many changes you make. Mm -hmm. I want to know what your goal is. I want to know what the goal of the change you're making mm. is so that we, we, we can understand where you're trying to get to and we can, as a community, give you feedback on whether a, that's something we think is good or bad for the game and B whether the changes that you're making are actually achieving the thing that you're trying to get to, because yep. the way, the way that I'm feeling about it um, is that I don't really know what the objective is and look, I'm not a game developer. So that that's not really my, like my job, but um, 
it feels like the things that are being changed are kind of like there's no clear objective in in a lot of these situations it's not it's not clear where we're trying to get um and 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 there are some cases where if that is clear that the the change doesn't get it there exactly that's kind of like you know um if there is is a clear objective like the the change isn't actually accomplishing the thing so like we'd like to give you feedback on hey maybe you could do it this way instead of the way that we're doing it when whenever you update it next time and i'm sure that they like talk to their testers and stuff about that sort of thing but i think just from like a community rollout when you when i've seen a lot of these games like when they patch a game they're like hey this is what we're trying to do you know we've tried it out in testing we think it's going to work this is what we're trying to accomplish with it right um and i think that would go a long way for us to like understand what what like all of these like turn zero draw changes are trying to fix or or whatever because like they obviously didn't make changes without a goal right like yep. th- there, there was some sort of goal whether it was you know um intentional or implied or or whatever like you don't make changes generally because you were yeah. happy with or unhappy yeah because you were or, or by mistake or whatever right yeah, yeah. you know, like like somebody said something at some point that was like that led to changing x y or z yeah um well i think with this in particular there's some direct changes that you know like the red versus blue right like they were trying to even that out that was clear but then i think what happened with like the draw system i think that was a different thing that just had unintended consequences that stacked onto the things they've already changed about red and what red and blue privileges are when they come to a game, you know, and then when you add on a a draw system that, you know, and ties, then you're like, well, Oh, you didn't, I see what you're trying to do with each, but you're not looking at it holistically. You're looking at them as two different things. And that that's how we got to where we are today with this conversation. Right. Is that it just so happened that, they both, you know, it comes to a head. Yeah. Because I'm sure that the question was like, well, how often is a draw, you know, a draw going to happen? And they're like, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's happening that often in testing or whatever. So I think it's okay that once in a while we have a draw and this is how we approach it, you know? And then, but then also at the same time, this, you know, red versus blue is happening. And then you're starting to realize, oh, red's better. So now points are, so now draws are happening more often because now, you know, it's 800. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and really like, because I've seen a lot of people be like, well, how often do you actually tie on kill points? And the answer is every time, every game, you know, we've talked about this before, but every game starts tied. Starts tied, yeah. Well, if if you're both at 800. Sure. But I mean, like on kill points, right? If you're not both at 800, then whoever's got, you know, less of a bit is the, is the one that starts out the game with the status quo in their favor, right? Um, because you see this a lot where people are like, well, that seems super unlikely that you would actually tie on kill points. And, you know, the most common tie is zero zero. Yep. You know, every game starts that way. And now there's a lot of games that are ending that way. <laughs> and um, because of this awkward, like, you know the the both players afraid to do anything situation so and and i'd even go farther to say that in a lot of these matchups where like draws are happening like 
there are a lot of clone matchups because clone units are hard to kill. Yeah. Um, like the units oftentimes are the same cost. <laughs> like like yeah. there, are, there are a lot of units in both mm-hmm. lists that are the same exact points cost. Is it like a, So if, if you trade, like you're still in the same situation, right? Um, and so it, that also creates kind of like a weird thing and that like in the situation where the, this is most applicable, um, they're generally very, very tight mirror situations. Um, Even when they're not mirror list, you know, there's a lot of units that are kind of in like that 70 to 80 points cost range, depending yeah. on what upgrade you give them and stuff. And, you know, even if it's not a mirror, like there's a good chance your units could be the same cost, yeah. right? Um, so. Yeah, and that, that, that kill points, like, are, is... I've found in close games, way even when there is like a lot of killing back and forth, it's way closer than you ever think it is. Yep. You know, and because you're like trying to do the mental math. Like, I mean, I'm sure we've all gotten to the end of the game and going, "Whoa, I, I knew I knew I was ahead. I didn't know I was only five points ahead." Like, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, totally. like, oh my gosh, that was yeah. way closer. Um, but yeah, yeah, anyways. I've seen games where each player kills like four to five units, and so- somebody wins by like ten points or less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, we should move on. Um okay. because uh as much as I want to talk about Wookiees, I want to talk about Yoda more. Okay. Um so if we don't get to Wookiees and we yeah. have to do that on another cast. Yeah, Mike will be back next week. That's there right. Yeah. So Mike. Yeah. Uh I am <laughs> I have yeah. the, I have this I have this friend. Uh, mm-hmm. And this friend is uh, a, a very good force user player, um, but uh, has always been afraid to try Yoda because all every list that this friend makes with Yoda just doesn't look beefy enough for for my friend. And um, his Hercules. name is Dial Cornball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Hercules Rockefeller. Today. Come on, my oh, good I'm friend sorry. Hercules. Your other friend, right, 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 right. Yeah. I forgot you had to. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so what should I tell this friend about why he should try Yoda? Um, so I, I have a couple upfront things that I think we need to get out of the way in reference to Yoda. Okay. Um, I play Yoda very differently than I think the majority of people have up until the last few months. But I also think you play Yoda how Hercules would play Yoda. I think so. I do too. So I think Hercules <laughs> is gonna love it. But but there's okay. there's some there's some qualifiers that I think are relevant to the conversation. Okay. The first is that um, I believe you have to take Padme. Um, okay. And so the main issue that I have had with Yoda up until the last like two and a half months is that on. Every turn that is not a luminous beings turn, surge tokens are a problem. Yep. They're a huge problem. Like I can't even begin to announce how big of a problem it is not being able to, first of all, you've got less dudes in your army, so you need to make everybody count um, in comparison to a nor- normal Gar army, which means it's more vital in this army than other bar armies that you're able to like globally share your surges right that's something anakin has going for him at all times yep um so a lot of people come to me and they're like well why aren't you taking chewy and i'm like 
Well, he doesn't share search tokens. Um, and that slot is basically Padme. Um, additionally... Quick I've, question real quick while we're on that topic. Yeah, fire away. Do you play Padme's 3-pip for the surge? Almost always. Okay. Um, almost always, almost always turn one. Um, okay. Unless it's like a very aggressive game state um, in which you don't have time. But unlike the Anakin Padme list where you like can't really play Padme's 3-pip until like turn three or four, yep. you know, playing it like as if you were playing Hero of the Clone Wars in a Yoda list, very reasonable to do. Yep. Okay. Um, Sorry, continue. No, you're good. You're good. And yep. on the topic of Padme's command cards, let me sure to including her, I've actually taken to playing probably r- roughly two to three of them a game um, and kind of leaving the cycling of Yoda's command cards by the wayside for the most point. I generally will cycle and play Luminous twice because it's a busted ass card. But um, anyways, so I this is all to say that I think Chewie is real bad and you can't take him. (laughs) Um, Padme is the key. That's a strong statement. No, I don't think it is. I mean, maybe it's a strong statement, but I do think that it's true. Okay, so uh, I want to I want to make one point All right. to Yoda list because, um, as you said, you play Yoda very differently than most people play Yoda. Yes, I think there is another way besides your way. I think the quote unquote standard way to play Yoda, where you're using him in an objective skew list, um, is still a good and effective way to play Yoda. And that version of Yoda has won plenty of tournaments over the last year as well. And that version of Yoda takes Chewie. It does. Um, I think for all the aforementioned reasons that we've been talking about for like the last hour, that list is a lot worse these days. That's fair. I'm just saying that we're talking about two completely different Ooh. versions of Yoda lists. There's that, there's one that essentially like punts attrition and is like, I'm not going to try and win this gunfight. I'm just going to murder you on objectives with Yoda teleporting all over the table. Yes. And that's the Yoda Chewy list. That um, is the that they're they're fundamentally different archetypes, and yes. Yoda fun, functions as a completely different character in both lists. Yeah, so I wouldn't say that Chewy is bad, but he is definitely bad for the type of Yoda list that you're going for. Okay, I'll give you that. I think he's bad generally. Okay, but that's fair. <laughs> I just he's a white save dude in your red save army that like has to get aggressive. I don't like him. He dies too easy. Anyways, okay. Um, so. We've got Padme. I also have um, started taking force guidance on Yoda, again, to solve the issue with the surge problems um, on the non-luminous turns. And frankly, it's pretty good on luminous too, because you get two global surges as opposed to just one from it. Um, an upgrade definitely that uh, I thought was pretty bad before, and I'm I'm pretty much... It's stapled to all my Yodas now. Anyways, to get to the TLDR of it, um, if I was trying to to sell um, Hercules Rockefeller on this list, this is how I would would stitch it. Okay. Um, this list plays like Anakin Padme Pikes, except you just take Anakin out and you put Yoda in. And I know that that's not doesn't seem like a one for one. Yeah, that doesn't compute. I know, on the, I know, the I know that yeah. it doesn't compute. Yep. And I know that the points don't add up that way, but it feels the same when you put it on the table from like a, like how stable it is. Um, and it's far more killy. And 
you don't have to charge like you actually have a bunch of command cards that do things um like good things really good things really good things yeah they're, they're not even there's they're ballpark silly things right um and yeah it feels the same except you actually have a character like if you, you're just replacing yoda with anakin and basically it's it's anakin padme except it's yoda padme and it's just better um there are some differences you're obviously not taking pikes um it is less defensive it is far more the the yoda lists that we're talking about um are much more keyed in on actually killing things than just like staying alive um it can do both very well um but luminous generally allows you to the amount of times i've said yeah that's going to be 14 pierce one after cover and dodges the last two months is high um and when you say that to your opponent for the first thing that happens is it breaks their spirit the second thing that happens is they take their unit off the table um so how are you how are you setting this up block us through yeah so um generally on the luminous turns so luminous for those that are not aware, this card uh, at the beginning of the turn puts two aim tokens, two dodge tokens, and two surge tokens on on Yoda, and he can share them with everybody. It's kind of like Anakin's. Um, I, I I even used to do this. I used to compare Anakin to Yoda and being like, Anakin's just luminous beans every turn, and like that's what he is. And that's not really true. It's an easy comparison to make, but Anakin has to use his entire activation to do it. Um, and he has to actually go to get the tokens, which means that like you're sacrificing tempo. Um, Yoda doesn't. He immediately gets the tokens. In addition to that, he gives your entire army face-ups. Often I fire support two to three times on Luminous turns. Um, and I'm fire supporting arcs and all of the scenario arcs or Padme, depending on how close the opponent is, which means that all of the fire supports have sharpshooter and pierce attached to them. Um, so we're talking about pools that are somewhere between 12 and 20 dice that have sharpshooter one or sharpshooter two and pierce attached. And at a minimum, they've got two aim token and two surge tokens backed up. In addition to the aim token that they're getting from the arcs tactical, and any other aim tokens that you may have picked up. Um, if you don't need to sacrifice tempo, or, or rather you have the tempo to like stock up on stuff before you take your shots, you've got face-ups on everything. So you just immediately go with Padme, aim quick thinking. Then you go with Yoda and Yoda allows you to do a couple things. He allows you to move units into positions where you get their full dice pool on fire support with guidance, A, or B, if you don't need to do that, Yoda just takes an aim and then he guidances Padme to quick thinking again and puts another two aim tokens on the table. Um, and That's now a lot you, of tokens. It's a lot of tokens. <laughs> um, so if, if you're already set up, great. You just have like, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six aim tokens um, before any clone shared aim tokens or aim tokens from tactical. Um, it's not hard to basically get eight, eight aim tokens set up for your first shot. And chances are you don't need them all so you can use them for the other shots. Um, 
I've said on some other podcasts that this list feels a little bit like Rexstar uh, because of how this is set up. This is what we used to do in Rexstar, except it took you all the way until the end of the turn to get aim tokens, not immediately. Not immediately. <laughs> uh, um, and often you didn't have sharpshooter or pierce attached to the shots in Rexstar. Um, it would, they were just Z6s. They were Z6s. They were just Z6 shots, and they were kind of capped at 10 or 11. These shots are not just Z6 shots. They're arc shots, fire supported by Z6 shots, and they're capped at 20 with Pierce. So um, so I want to be clear, uh, just for everybody at home, uh, you're talking about full arc squads. Just, I am, yes. Uh, uh, just to, because for a second there, I was trying to go, I'm like, 20. And I was like, oh, full arc squads you know it took me a second to get there so yeah yeah so if you're fire supporting a range three uh arc shot you've got 16 dice if you're fire supporting a range two arc shot you've got 20 assuming that you haven't lost bodies um which maybe you do and you're down to like 17 dice or something um only 17 dice <laughs> That I did. A, I uh one of my I, there was a tournament over the weekend and one of my arcs stepped up and um I fired the range two pool into one unit, fire supported it, and then I fired the sniper into something else and fire supported that. And I threw like, I don't know, like 34 dice or something in, in one one activation with like six or seven aim tokens. Can you still um, split fire fire support? I'm pretty sure you can. Okay. Um, if not, then I messed up big time, but I'm pretty sure you can. Um Anywho, are you are you are you rules checking me right now? I was thinking about it. Okay, do you it. Should. Do it. Let's you do sure. it to me all the time. Okay. Just because yeah, it's yeah. Mike, you shouldn't stop now. Um, <laughs> damn straight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I know you can't uh, fire support beam attacks, and but I'm pretty sure you can fire support like uh, you can fire support each one on gunslinger. So I don't. Are those technically separate? I believe they're separate separate attack rules. Gunslinger mm -hmm. is separate attack rules. Yeah. Um now you've got me rethinking rethinking things. But anyways, even if you can't do that, it's still really strong. Um don't back down, Mike. Don't back, don't back down. down. I'm not no, gonna back you down. Are it's right. silly list. Um anyways, uh I I think it's still okay. I, yeah, I'd yeah. have to like dig into the forums. The wording is a little awkward because now like the whole thing with split firing and attacks it's worded differently than it used to but it's looks like it's possible to me still so yeah. um anywho so that's like the generic big scary thing you can do with the list you don't need to really do that to win though um guidance is just a hell of a drug man i so i played yoda a lot before i i, I even remember being on on here and being like Yoda's better than Anakin and you guys were like Anakin's better than Yoda and I eventually like conceded that Anakin is better than Yoda um but I'm coming back here and I am sticking my flag in the ground and I'm telling y'all that I should have stuck to my guns <laughs> Yoda is way better than Anakin and it's not close um and I only figured this out because I played Anakin, um, in fairness, because I played him so defensively, and it, that led me to the Yoda lists. Uh, in in fairness, um, Jojo Binks from the Discord 
really inspired me at Nova with his Yoda list. He was playing Yoda with arcs um, after the price decreases. And I played him against in Ed Nova with my Anakin list. And um, I got stomped. It wasn't close. It was it was brutal. And I couldn't do anything because when you get into range three of this Yoda list, it just pounces on you and you're dead. You just die. I don't know what else to say. Um, it's really difficult to play into it. So uh, just real quick for those of you, I did find it in the forums and uh, yes, a different unit may use the fire support keyword to add attack dice to each attack pool during their respective form attack pool steps. There you go. All right. So uh, that was in March. Post-trip. I was pretty sure, but man, Kyle, Kyle's like, did you? And I'm like, uh, well, okay. I, I, I don't we're, know. We're still discovering stuff. Listen, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's CRB. a deep seated fear that we yeah. have that like yeah. uh, we, we literally on a cast found out about force push with recover boxes and we're like, wait, what? And so, yeah. Like, but it's been this way for months, Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. Anyways, uh, but I, that is a fear I, I have every once in a while, like on stream at Crucible, um, some Austin like seized with Padme, but he had already like passed a token through with authoritative. Mm-hmm. And I like tried to stop the game. I was like, no. <laughs> and, um, and like we had to like go through a whole rigmarole because like I was pretty sure it didn't work, but like mm. you know, hey, XYZ. Anyway, Wait, does it work now? It does not. Okay. But but like it wasn't clear via the forums and stuff, and we had to like dig to find the ruling okay. and like uh, a bunch of other stuff. Like it it just it was more complicated than it needed to be. But the the TLDR of it is like some things we thought were law have like sort of changed over yeah. the last eight months and like changed without much notice (laughs) right yeah Yeah. um and it was just like one of those situations so um anyways i talking about yoda like i don't know how to like really really talk about the intricacies of like how the the list operates because uh, basically guidance is the whole thing um and it's really hard to like talk about like exactly how it operates because it really depends on the circumstances you're in but guidance kind of just allows you to break the rules of the game at all points um so so you're using yoda more like palpatine in this situation where he's for tokens he's for support he's for giving other units extra actions and if he ends up Palpatine is not a great example because of an owl you will die, yeah. but I'd wager that you end up attacking with Yoda significantly less than most Yoda players. I if- yeah, I definitely um I only play as one pip generally like once a game unless we're playing hostage. I will play it on turn one to double move the hostage back to me. Yep, via double guidance. Um, right. so I'll move the hostage four times turn one, and then I'll aggressive negotiations on turn two to move it again if I need to um and then it can you know obviously do its thing but it, that's like way out of vader vader's might range and yep. shenanigans like that um but yeah i generally don't don't attack with yoda most games frankly um honestly guidance seeing a standby is often like way better than attacking with them anyways i would rather attack with a 10 die pool than a four die pool most of the time generally i have a bunch of aim tokens backing it up so like 
you know, I don't know. Um, I think the only, it, if your opponent gets close to you, you will attack with Yoda in this list. But if they're far away, you don't have burst of speed. You don't need it. Um, but your your other units are better at doing the things that are at range anyhow. Um, and I've also found that Yoda never... I. One sec. I'm like fact-checking myself in my head. Hmm. Since I started playing this list, Yoda has not died. Well, if he's if he's you know in the back, telling people what to do, then that makes yeah, sense. That makes sense. Right? Yeah, yeah he's I just, pretty like, durable, like as a rule, anyway. Right. Yeah. So, um, four out of the six command cards that you have in your command hand, put a dodge token on them before the turn starts. Uh, you've got Padme's one and two pip, his three pip, and his two pip. All of them put dodge tokens on the table that are either on him or that he can use because they're on Padme, like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he's very hard to kill. I just like my biggest fear when running Yoda before playing this list was Yoda's gonna die, mm. and then the game's just over because yep. Yoda's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, and in these lists, it's like, okay, well, if they chew through all of my clones, you know what they have to do, <laughs> then Yoda can go aggro, and he's done that a couple games, but like you generally don't even get to that point. Um, because giving arc troopers relentless is busted pretty good um so yeah i mean uh i don't know um i would encourage you to try it i would encourage everybody to try it it seems like a lot of people have since uh in the last like couple weeks and i think people are catching on to yoda and full arcs pretty good i do think you have to take padme um and do you think you need to make sure you have the surge tokens um, I think that's the biggest thing. Even now, sometimes I run out. Um, and that's kind of a big deal. You ever run into suppression issues with your phase ones? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because they're always fire supporting? Well, A, because <laughs> they're fire supporting a lot of times. And if I do have a suppression issue, I just drop Padme's one pip. I um, got Master of Evil uh, the other day and somebody dropped like I don't know. It, I already had a bunch of suppression on my units. Then they master of evil. Then there was like 35 suppression on the table. I just dropped Padme's one pip, soaked up 35 suppression tokens, and then guidanced her to recover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they were all gone. <laughs> That'll do it. Yep. Uh, okay. How how is it against um, heavies? Like if uh, like if you were up against a legitimate tempest list. Um, so I haven't really had any trouble with armor in general. Um, there are two versions of the list that I have played. The first one is the one that I took when I was like, eh, people aren't going to play armor. So I just took a bunch of Z6s. Um, the list that I normally play has one RPS in it for that reason. Um, Echo fire supporting into an, uh, fire supporting an RPS with a bunch of aim tokens generally is like four or five crits pierce one. Um, depending on like if you've only got the rocket in your pool or you've got got the full squad, um, and it's pretty good. Um, in a pinch, you can fire support Yoda's force wave attack for surge crit, um, which is also not bad. Um, obviously Yoda's got to be a little bit closer. Um, I killed an AAT in like 
like two and a half turns the other day with just arc sniper shots fire supported by rps's um and it didn't feel that statistically anomalous to be honest um and the mortar's got critical one on it in a pinch so you can like fire support uh one arc with an rps fire support the other one with the mortar that one's got critical one you still get pierce you know um and if they've if they've taken armor um you're gonna you're gonna just bludgeon their infantry it's not even it's not even close yeah. um so so like you can also take the other tact of like i'm just gonna kind of ignore the tank and just kill the things that actually like pick up boxes and stuff um which is the other thing that yoda has over anakin frankly is that yoda looks at every battle deck that anakin's like oh god i don't want to play that and yoda's like yeah let's do it you yeah. know <laughs> um you know bombing run okay no sweat you know uh not a big deal guidance just... goes a long way even when you're playing quote-unquote defensive yoda towards yeah. making almost every objective more palatable for you totally um you know i played breakthrough and bombing run against blizzard um pilot piloted by josh grimmer who won nova playing blizzard and it's it's a pretty good matchup for yoda to be honest um it's pretty easy to like pick up bikes and hru's with um fire supported shots at range four and range three like they just disappear from the table if blizzard ever decides to engage um it's it's scary um it's it's fun as hell um but i am i'm a little bit nervous that it's gonna end up getting um i've created a monster that's gonna get nerfed again but we'll see do you think it's a balance problem I don't know yet. Okay. I definitely think it could be. Um, I think after watching it in the wild, I definitely think that it's got a low floor if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, That's just going to be true of any Yoda list. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I think yeah, it, 100%. It's it's very fragile if, if you don't understand how all the pieces fit together. It mm -hmm. is not a list that you're going to like pick up and be like, oh yeah this is just gonna kill everybody that walks because like you really need to know what to spend guidance on and like what command card to play and 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 make sure that you have the the recyclable command cards that you need when you need them so you kind of have to like understand where the game state's going to be in four turns um but if you understand and recognize those things the tools that this list has available i've just never felt in this game before um and so i think if you're willing to put in the time the ceiling on this list is amazing is it's i i feel confident in saying that this is the best guard list that exists and some variant of this list is the best guard list that exists it is not close it like not close at all um whether it is like the best list that presently exists i think is maybe a different question um because empire really hasn't shaken out yet i feel like i agree um and rebels and cis are bad sorry rebels and cis players <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I don't know what to say. I'm not going to argue with that at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they have some good lists, but um, I think they each have like one one to two good lists, basically. Um, but whether those good lists are as good as their equivalent Empire or Republic counterparts is debatable. Yeah, I would put them in like the, they're like solid Bs probably, you know, like I think the Cassie and Ahsoka like gun line is, is it's fine. It's playable. Like you can definitely play good lists with it and win. And like, again, I think we say it all the time, but like skill besides most Legion games, right? Yeah. Like regardless of list, but yeah. um, you know, I think all things equal. Yeah, I'd put them at Bs if, like, Blizzard is an A. I also, uh, hot take, I don't think Blizzard is very good anymore. The hottest of takes. All right. Not bad. I like that. That's a good hot take. I mean, it's not as good as it once was. I it's definitely not as good, but I but I think... It's not even close to as good as it was. Right. No. Right. Um, but... I actually think it's here's here's what I've been preaching this. Okay. I, I hope other people follow suit. People are scared of Blizzard's bad objectives in its deck. And so they ban to the good ones. People yeah. are like, oh, I'm playing Blizzard. I should ban bombing run and breakthrough every time. Yep. And what ends up happening is that puts you on hostage and KP. And those are those are Blizzard's best objectives. You mm -hmm. should not play Blizzard on those objectives ever. <laughs> yep, I agree. You're a red that. player. You should not let them play those objectives. And guess what? Because of how red player works, you can make it so that you never play those objectives pretty much, yep. unless bombing run and breakthrough are in the first few slots and the Blizzard player bans to them. But generally, that doesn't happen. That's like, what is that like what? A one in 25? I don't know what the odds are. Actually, there's no situation as red player where you should have to play them. Because if they're in the first two slots, you're just you, you yourself. can ban them, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they're in the last two slots, well, well I guess if, the if they're in the last, in the last two, slots, two slots, you'd have to play one of them. Yeah, you're gonna yes. have to play yeah. one. But you can also decide which one you want to play, right? And and like, depending on your list, you can figure that out. Chances are, you'd probably rather play KP than hostage. But uh, I think it depends. It on depends on your list. Depends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but seriously, people play more bombing run. Blizzard's actually like not very good at it if you know what you're doing. <laughs> like it's fine, but like it is a it is a playable game and it is it is reasonable. Um, so it's breakthrough if you have at least nine activations. Yes. You know, they they have to get aggressive or yeah, it's it's weird. Um yep. anyways, that is to say those are the two objectives that I think people are like actively avoiding so that they end up playing into Blizzard's hands most of the time. They're like, I don't have speeders. I can't play the speeder objectives, yeah. you know, like. Um, As somebody that played a lot of Blizzard. Oh, you? Year, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can definitely confirm that people are scared of those and I was totally fine with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, You're like, oh, yay. <laughs> so um yeah yeah and that was almost half the point of including them in the deck like totally sure you're you're still okay with those because you have speeders and speeders are are good at them but you know you're definitely not leveraging vader to his maximum potential on either of those objectives yeah. and really that's what the list is all about 
Well, and it's a delivery mechanism for Vader. So I, I would, I think that's just a good cautionary tale because like I was playing the Yoda triple barks list, a version of Yoda and doing triple barks and people were doing the same thing. And I was like, uh, okay, I'll take KP. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like just cause you didn't want bombing run. Uh, okay. Yep. Um, you know, don't, I, don't yeah. get me wrong. Bombing run can really suck against a good yep. speeder player. Yep. Um, but because you need to know how to play it or you will just get crushed on it. Well, that's the thing, but, right? You know, most people that are like, I've got like two bombing run reps ever, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they're just they're avoiding it the whole time. And um, I would encourage people to face the music on this one and just play some bombing run. Just play some practice bombing run. Don't even go through turn zero with your opponent. If, if you practice games, just like set up bombing run games and play them. Yep. Um, just so that you start to like once you get the tempo for like when you need to like be dropping bombs and getting away from them so they don't kill your own units and stuff like that like it'll start to feel like oh this is reasonable because what the blizzard player at nine activations is not doing is driving their bombs into you these days like that's never going to happen in nine acts they're yeah, not going to sacrifice a bike to do that yeah they're going and dropping them in the safest corner of the board they can find which means the bikes are out of the fight for like the first two wish turns and you can sort of take advantage of that if if you're kind of understand what is going to be happening because they're not going to get those bikes involved in the fight until they drop the bombs um which means you can kind of take on the vader vader and the hru's a little piecemeal um at the beginning of the game if you're able to set up that opportunity um the one there are some combinations you should avoid in that situation uh probably the biggest one is like disarray bombing oh, run yeah. simply because the bikes can do the bomb dropping thing and also kill one of your units at the same time thus putting them ahead on yeah. the tie breaks and, and uh, i guess that's what i was kind of when you guys were saying you know sometimes you don't have the choice because blue player used their first two vetoes to get to the ones well then you use your vetoes to do a more advantageous deployment so that you're not like in that like you're not going to veto to disarray that would be crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, you yeah. would do something that's more advantageous to yeah. you, like long march or something. <laughs> you know, if they have that, they wouldn't have that. But danger but close. Danger so close. Often they have yeah, in there. Yeah, that's yeah. gonna, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, I will really. Actually, I'll just tell Hercules to listen. Um, I'm sure he'll be interested. Um, oh, so I know that Hercules has, has always wanted to. Uh, He's always it. wanted to win one of our giveaways he's there's a lot of things hercules rockefeller has wanted over the years yeah he's never actually won any of those things though so i don't know um it's weird um yeah i'll let him know uh to listen listen this week um we can definitely table bookies for next time so sorry for those people that were looking and excited to hear about bookies yeah but we've got lots to talk about bookies and we've got we've got weeks to talk about it yeah plenty of time we have months I think this was a really interesting and encouraging talk for me. I, uh, a couple episodes ago, I'd brought up a tournament I was at and the guy who wanted Isaac, he was playing clones and he was just dumping like no less than 14 to like 18 dice into me. And, and it was an utter shock to me. And he wasn't even playing Yoda. Like he was playing a Cody list, right? Yeah, like, and yeah. I was just going, I'm sorry, what is happening right now? Like, how is this even 
you know, and like, and getting most of that over cover, like, and I'm just like, dude, like, this is crazy. So yeah, that was a really, uh, yeah, that was a great talk. Uh, I'm very excited, Mike. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, so I mean, I do think that um, it's possible that like, with, I think Republic outside of like the Anakin Padme list are like leaning into the fire sport shenanigans more and more now. Um Uh, yeah, I think I think it's possible that there's a, some systemic things that maybe I don't know. I just like don't want my boys to get nerfed again. You know, I feel like they they break all the rules of the game, and they've gotten nerfed like four or five times in the past. And I just like I don't want it to happen again. But <laughs> but it also like doesn't feel super fair. So I don't yeah. know. Well, and I think fire support has seen its value go up just based on the fact that more fights have become much more just straight up about that range three gunfight mm-hmm. you know because flanking's devalued playing the objectives or objective skews have been devalued um so it used to be that you could just kind of kind of stay outside that range three danger zone of the phase ones and like pick and poke and play the objectives but that's a lot harder to do now because it's much more like you know armies crash into each other kind of setup and that's going to favor a situation where like you want to be at range three yeah. Well, and I think to boot, um, going back to your favorite topic ever, since everything's in cover now, it's actually significantly more um, advantageous to fire support because fire support is like gifting the unit that's fire supporting sharpshooter too. And then if you're fire supporting arcs, it's like all of a sudden your shot has removed cover from two units instead of yep. one, right? Um, so it's almost like, you know, I think... <laughs> My last Wookiee opponent was like, I was like hurtling across heavy cover with dodge tokens and armor one on my shield guys. And I felt really good about it until you started fire supporting me with, you know, 18 die die pools. And all of a sudden my armor one only counted once for each shot. My, my cover was gone. (laughs) You know, the white saves don't hold up super well. (laughs) Um, They sure don't, you know, and, um, you i i guess to that point too like things that have um defensive tech that only triggers on that triggers like per attack so like low profile or armor one right like instead of it counting twice you're only counting it once mm-hmm. um which is which there's more of that these days so it is a bigger deal yep. um you know danger sense again only like if you're shooting into pikes it's much better to shoot into a pike squad with 20 dice once than 10 dice twice right um because they'll trigger danger sense multiple times um so there's there's just i think an additive additive reasons for kind of leaning into that not just in the yoda list but in like i i think that goes across uh factions as a whole like the moment of consideration play out of Gideon, I actually think is like pretty good for that reason now too. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Does it give three units fire support that turn? I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, it's yeah, three, it's three yeah. core or, or one happy. And if you're running a short trooper list, you know, you really like those are three orders to mortars and then you potentially got six. Yep. It, yeah. You know, giving your mortars like, you know, sure. I mean, they're mostly crit engines, but like, sure. it, 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 you know, it, it's still, there is value in that. And I yep. think, um, as we we have entered a more co- like cover dense environment in Legion, um, things that s- kind of circumvent the cover rules altogether have gotten a lot stronger. You know, I, I, 
this is just I think, an, were, an evolution yeah. of that yeah. yeah yeah i agree um yeah it's interesting and we'll see how this conversation continues to evolve but clone's good yoda good and i still think anakin padme is one of the best lists just relative he, to other factions I, th I think so too it definitely it's much that list is much harder to kill than the yoda lists the thing that the anakin padme lists don't do super well is like kill other stuff like they don't, they kind they don't of, force opportunities they don't force opportunities yeah. right like guidance allows you to like even if your opponent's being super cagey they kind of can't avoid being caught in a situation that is bad for them because you're just going to put them in it if they're not in it already right like if you hold yoda and a couple units until like the tail end of a turn like they're going to have to activate something that you're eventually going to be able to put within a range four fire support and if they're not they're just not playing the game you right. know yeah. Um, and if they're not playing the game great right sure <laughs> i mean great for you not them but yeah um yeah guidance really lets you with those out of activation moves circumvent the normal zoning that is the stand excuse me the standard counter to fire support yeah so, so. interesting all right i'll have to try it i've got the arcs paint i mean you I mean, mean Hercules. Sorry. Yes, Hercules. <laughs> I, I understand that Hercules just recently painted his arcs. So. <laughs> um, but you know what the problem but is? I will also have to try it because in listening to this conversation, uh, you've also piqued my interest. Uh, so okay, okay. That's been that's been the problem too. Like I've got all these all the clones, a good chunk of the clones painted. So every time you guys bring up clones listeners, I'm like yeah, I could play that right now without even having yep. to paint a single model. Great. I'd, ha I'd have to paint Yoda, but otherwise I could play it. Yeah. Yoda is an easy paint. Yep. I will say I gotta I gotta give some criticism here. Those flight stands are the worst things oh, yeah. in the world. I had one break on me yesterday. I like I've had I've cannibalized all my flight stands out of my unassembled Mando boxes, whether they be Shadow Collective or Rebels. And yep. like because the issue that I have is that once they break. You can't re-glue them. Yeah. I had the same issue with uh, Maul's probes. Oh, um, yeah. I, I didn't use the flight stands at all on the arcs. I had them jumping off boxes. Mm. Um, I learned from everyone else's miserable experiences there. So, yeah. yeah. I, I cut up some boxes from Vital Assets, and I just put them on their bases and had them jumping off at various angles. I might, I might, I just, I don't want to take the time to go through that. But now that they're so good, kind of. <laughs> Here's a hot take. I know that we're trying to end and we'll, we'll <laughs> get there. <laughs> but I actually don't think arcs are very good. I think the only reason they're good is because they've got all the synergy around them. I think if like arcs on their own are not a 97 point unit with all of the power up stuff, it makes them worth their points. But it's actually, it's like a weird. I, the more that like we see like Republic stuff shake out, the more it's like, uh, how do you actually cost these units effectively and make them like fair? Because like in any other faction, I think you wouldn't ever take the arcs because they're too expensive. I agree, but um, it's you know it's the synergy faction. It's always been a, a challenge. Yeah, for arcs, sure, so. for sure. Um, uh, just food for thought. Um, anyhow. Good food. Good food.
very legion. All right. Super well, legion. We, we, we are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Jay. And I'm Mike. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Yep. He forgot what it was. He was going to say something and then he forgot what the catchphrase yeah, was. So he just completely said, yeah. dropped out of my head. Yeah. Something <laughs> about mats. Yeah. yeah. Something about mats. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Fruit. Bye bye. <laughs>